Good morning again, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Just in case you clicked on maybe a little bit later or um, you just kind of skipped through the first part. Uh, my name is Mike and I'm happy you chose to be here with us today. Again, you know, we're coming in uh, obviously remote today. We're not in the building, but that's okay because even though we may not be there together physically, God is still with each one of us individually, which is just awesome. I was kind of thinking there a moment ago as I was going through uh, after uh, communion was over is, man, I, still, I don't sound 100%, you know, still a little nasally so just ignore that if I have to sneeze so just forgive me um, again we are in our living room and I'm a little bit surprised I'm just going to give you a heads up in case it happens you know someone could come ring the doorbell or you know UPS could make a stop by I keep waiting for one of the cats I always talk about to start walking around up here on the TV stand it's not happened yet so it's probably gonna happen at some point maybe Mr. Moe or Ollie will get to make it a, an appearance today at some point but church again, I know this has been a wild week for a lot of us as we've gone through, you know, snow and power outages. Our power was out for a few days. It was about, excuse me, it was about 40 hours, I believe, is how much our power was out. So we got a nice good fridge cleaning. We're able to save some of the stuff in the freezer. We, um, I think we had 12 blankets on the bed Sunday night. And then by Monday came, it's like, we're not doing this again. So we went over to Jay and Kim's house and, uh, you know, took refuge there uh, for a little bit and doing lots of and now with some, you know, sickness and COVID going around, you know, in our family, it's been uh, been lots of remote work uh, this week. But church, let's kind of hop into the conversation today really quickly. If you've been with us the past few weeks, you know we've been starting something new. Is we've been doing this thing where we're trying our best to memorize scripture. God has given us such a powerful tool, the Bible. It's a double-edged sword. It's our most valuable tool we have physically and yet we don't ever use it. But if we open up the Word, we open up the Bible, we see all the time, whether it's Christ or someone else, when their times of trouble are happening, what are one of the, some of the things they do? Not only do they pray to seek guidance, but they quote Scripture. Church, it's impossible to quote Scripture if you don't know the Scripture. And so our goal this year is to get into the Word, is to literally turn the pages of scripture so we can memorize and we can have this weapon trained in our arsenal. Uh, last week, I'm not going to ask you if you did our memory verse because our, we weren't here in person, so you didn't have access to our bulletin. Uh, you actually had to go onto our website to click on that. I didn't let everyone know, so I know most of you probably didn't even know what the memory verse was, so we're going to kind of skip that this week. But pay attention to it this week as sermon notes and the bulletin. Everything is below you down there in the comments on Facebook or also on the website if you're watching this uh, maybe on Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday. But we've been in this conversation walking uh, partially through the book of Proverbs. And last week we talked about how God, or excuse me, two weeks ago, God should be our number one priority in life. We've been talking all about how for most of us, our priorities are not right. We prioritize things that are urgent over what the things are important. Important. I did a terrible job of saying that. We prioritize the urgent over the important. There we go. And sadly, our family, our kids, our spouses, and even our God gets bumped down the list. And when God's our number one priority, our life will never be as fulfilling as what he's told us and what he's promised us that it can be. 
And so as we continue this year of making God our number one priority in life, last week we talked all about our finances. You know, it was a conversation that many of us probably don't, we don't always like hearing about someone trying to tell us how to run our finances, but it wasn't Mike telling you, it was God telling you about how God should be your number one priority in the way you spend, save, invest, uh, make, and keep your money. It should God should be your number one priority. But today let's talk about another category in our lives that God should be number one in, and that is relationships. God should be our number one priority when it comes to relationships. And here's why. Every single one of us listening right now has relationships. I don't want you just to think about, you know, marriages or dating, romantic relationships. But we all have relationships, whether it is, you know, the romantic ones, dating or married life. Uh, we also have relationships with our family, our kids, our neighbors, the people at the grocery store, our friends. We have relationships with people. Now, some of those may be bad, some of those may be good, but we have relationships. And so what I encourage you to do is think about the ones you have. You know, the last couple of weeks, I've asked you to do something that can be difficult. And that was, I asked you to take an audit of your life. I asked you to sit down and think about everything you've done over, you know, at the end of the week or the month or whatever, and see is where you spend your time and energy, does it show that God is number one? But then I also asked you, to pull up the bank statements, pull up your bank accounts, skim through your spending and ask the same question. Is God seen in the way you handle your money? And that's what we've talked about the past couple of weeks. But today, I want you to take an audit of your relationships. Those with your spouse, your kids, your parents, your brothers, sisters, family, friends, coworkers, whatever. And ask yourself, are they healthy relationships or are they unhealthy relationships? Is God seen in those relationships? Well, Mike, what makes a relationship healthy? You know, it can vary a little bit, but basically a healthy relationship will make each of you better. It'll make you better in whatever way that relationship is trying to, you know, influence your life. A healthy relationship makes you better, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And part of the healthy relationship means having God number one. Having your relationship with God should bleed over into your relationship with others. And our relationship with people, you know, varies. Obviously, the relationship I have with Jenna is healthy and it's good and it benefits me in multiple ways. But I can also have a relationship with someone else, which is good, but benefits me in a completely different way. We benefit each other in a completely different way. Just like, you know, when we eat food, there's different foods that have different, you know, nutritional values. You know, you eat a lot of protein. Protein is good for your muscle. It, it makes you stronger, um, energy, and those types of things. Um, you, you know, some friends make you laugh. Some friends give you a place to where someone you can vent to. Um, you know, water, that's another thing. We drink water. It hydrates us. It keeps us healthy. And other friends, you know, they keep us accountable in life. We have different friends that serve different purposes for who we are. So I really just let's get really basic and ask this question. Church, where is God in your relationships? Because if we want to make him our main priority in life, that means he has to be our main priority in our relationships. And that includes our community. Church, I know some of us who have introverted personalities, I have a lot of them. The idea of community scares us. God wants us to have community 
And I think, I, I know I've, I've mentioned this before, whether it's from stage or just in private conversations, it's one reason so many of us have struggled through COVID, not only because of loss, you know, physical um, harm and stuff like that, but also just the idea of being isolated. You know, God created us to be social people. So the idea of us not being able to be together has done a lot of harm to a lot of us. God wants us to be in community because look here, Acts chapter 2 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, it's very obvious that whenever we open up Scripture, God wants us to be in community. And I know that can vary from, you know, demographic to demographic and the way we share life together. But he doesn't want us to be antisocial people. You know, there's a film called About a Boy. You may have seen it. There's a character. His name is Hugh Grant. He lives a lonely existence. You'll see his picture here. He refers to this existence as island living. And he's quite happy about it. But that is until this 12-year-old boy, you know, befriends him. And suddenly his whole lifestyle is called into question. And in the end, he finds that he is happier when in community. Today's message, we're going to look at God's wisdom as it applies to our relationships. Relationships are gifts from God. Did you hear that? Relationships are gifts from God. Write that down. And so wise relationships are oriented around God. This means there's main characteristics within a wise relationship, ones that we're really going to try to focus on today. And one of these characteristics is trust. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. A verse many of us are familiar with. Let's keep reading verse 6. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in a relationship with another human has to start with us trusting God and trusting him in all our ways, trusting him in every relationship. This means if your spouse has friends, that's okay. If you have a friend who hangs out with other friends, that's okay. That's a big lesson, you know, for many people um, growing up in high school. But it's also a lesson we as adults, because we get offended too easily at times. When problems arise and you trust God in all things, you don't have to be the savior of the situation. Instead, you can point people to the one who can help fix this mess. One of the biggest things about becoming a mature person, a mature person spiritually, a mature person um, just in life in general, is being is willing and saying that I can't help you the way you need, but this is who can. A lot of times when we're immature, we pretend we put on this fake coat of armor and we act like we can do it and we pretend we can, but in reality, we have no idea what we're doing. A mature person can help someone by getting them someone else to actually do the help. Church, we need to audit our friends, our relationships. We need to open them up. We need to look at them and we need to see who is healthy, who is, who are we unhealthy with, 
Who is helping me get closer to what God wants and who is not? So let's start thinking about this right now. Maybe make a list on your notes, your phone, a piece of paper. These, it's there in your, you do it in your bullets and notes if you'd like. Think of your top relationships in life and ask that question, are they healthy? And I know as we get old, we make new friends. Um, I know me and Jenna, we're in such a big transition in life right now. You know, most of the people we graduate either high school with or college with, um, we're growing, we're getting older. Um, you know, most of our friends are getting married at this time. A lot of them are having kids. People are getting established in their careers. They're moving away. We get busy, don't we? I mean, life is getting quicker. It's, it's getting in a rush. Things are hurrying up and it's harder at times to stay connected with people. And, you know, the way you, uh, you know, stay friends, it changes a little bit as we get older. And I don't know if you remember this, but a few weeks ago, I talked about some of my own personal goals. And one of my personal goals to help my emotional, my mental health was to stay closer to the friends I actually cared about. So it's one thing I'm working on this year is reaching out and being connecting with those people that I actually do not want to lose, the ones I do not want to uh, fade away from. It's something that I really am working a whole lot on. Uh, but just like so many other things in life, church, there comes to a point where we have to weigh the cost with the reward when it comes to our relationships. I know that sounds depressing and it sounds kind of too technical at times, but think about your relationships and weigh the cost. How much are you giving for how much they're returning? Are they actually being beneficial to you? Are they helping you get closer to where and who God wants you to be? We're going to read today. We're going to be the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in chapter 27. We're going to read the whole chapter. So I encourage you to open up now to Proverbs chapter 27. There's, let's read. We're going to hone in on a few verses specifically, but we're going to go ahead and read the whole chapter because there's about 45 different sermons that can come out of this one chapter. Okay, let's read. And do not boast, verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow. For if you do not know what a day may bring, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Again, there's a whole sermon right there. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but a fool's proclamation is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full of low, excuse me, one who is full loaves honey from the comb. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, as its pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartful advice. Do not forsake your friend or a family of your excuse me. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Be wise. I love that verse. I know there's a comma there, and we should always paraphrase, paraphrase scripture, but I love verse 11. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Take the garment of the one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. A quarrelsome wife 
is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. In other words, it can't happen. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Every basketball team's favorite verse. <laughs> and the one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit. And whoever protects their master will be honored. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. That'd be such a great verse. You could do a whole message just on that. Think about lust and the things we deal with. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. The crucible for silver and furnace for gold. But people are tested by their praise. Through you, you grind a foil in mortar, grinding them like grain with a pestle. You will not remove their folly from, from, from them. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever. A crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed, the new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in. The lambs will provide you with clothing, and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and nourish your female servants. Church, there's a whole lot in that verse. Well, there was a whole lot right there in what we just read. We about, like I said, about 40 different sermons. But I really want to focus just on a little bit of it. The, the chapter is just too good not to read Let's look a little bit. Choosing to be wise in our relationships means choosing to give and receive counsel. Look, look back there at verse 9. It says this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. You know, Church, I love good perfume and cologne. I've always been someone who loves, you know, I have such a sensitive nose. Like if, I, if something stinks, like it's just so, whoa. It, it, whenever me and Jenna were house hunting, one of the first thing I noticed was how a house smelled. And whether it was a dingy smell or whether maybe a little bit of a moldy smell or a clean smell, you can ask her. It drives me crazy whenever the house has a, a smell to it or when places stink. I have such a sensitive nose. So I've always taken pride in trying to smell good. And I love, you know, perfumes and colognes. Uh, but anyway, apparently it's killing us with the chemicals is what I've been told. But I love things that smell good. And so it makes us think of that pleasant smell, that aroma, that thing that just makes you so happy and that one that just fills you is the same as the pleasantness of a friend who will actually give you true advice or help. My favorite smell probably of all time, well, there's multiple, but one of them is definitely uh, mom used to, she, whenever she makes her turkeys, she cooks them on low heat. For Thanksgiving, when she roasts the turkey, she cooks it on low heat. And so growing up, the house, she would put that turkey on wee hours in the morning or very late at night, that Wednesday evening. And so then every Thursday, every Thanksgiving morning, I'd wake up and the house would just smell like the gates of heaven with the turkey smell. And it always made me so happy. It's one of my favorite smells of all time. And yet that's the pleasantness that a good friend gives you with their advice. What about verse 17? A very quoted scripture. Look at it. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Church, the company we keep matters. So we should surround ourselves with friends who can speak truth into our lives. And this can be uncomfortable. Right now in your audit of friends and relationships you're doing, have you given certain people permission to speak truth into you? 
Because if we never allow someone to give us feedback or critiques or accountability, we will never become who God wants us to be. This is very obvious. Remember, the book of Proverbs is mainly written by Solomon. After Christ, the wisest man to ever walk the earth. And he's saying, you better surround yourself with people who will speak truth to you. Have you? You know, when you sharpen your knives, you don't lay them on a counter and just lay the sharpening rod on the counter on the other side of the room and let them smile at each other, <laughs> right? You have to create friction in order to sharpen the knives. But even the potential friction, there's sweetness. You know, there's another, a proverb that says that the earnest counsel is a source of sweetness in a relationship. The question must be asked, if you're friends with someone and you see them doing something self-destructive, are you a good enough friend to call them out on it? Or even in your marriage, are you willing to say, hey, honey, I think this is hurting you? Or, hey, bud, you need to check yourself without doing it you know, in an arrogance and bad way, obviously. Church, our relationships give us different benefits. Again, like there's accountability, discernment, joy, and one of those is accountability. I found a website called healthline.com. You can check it out. And it was talking about the benefits of having good friends. I'm going to read some of these to you. I got these off this website. It says, um, cure for loneliness. It reduces stress. They provide emotional support, personal developments. They give you a sense of belonging, support during challenges. You know, whether in a marriage or a friendship, we have to have friends or relationships with people who honor their commitments, who's not going to up and run when the going gets tough, but they're going to stick with you through the thick and thin, you know, the ride or dies. Healthy relationships depend on commitment. That's exactly what verse 10 talked about. Look at this, 27, 10. Do not forsake your friend or a family member. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you, but if you're a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. I almost cackled when I read this verse because we had, this was the other night when our power had gone out from the snow and the ice, and we had actually went to Jay and Tim's house, and I was typing. I'm like, well, we didn't go to a friend's house. We went to our relative's house. Now, granted, this relative is, you know, just a few miles away. It's not like we, I think the scripture is trying to tell us, you know, you should have friends strong enough in your, the where you don't, when disaster strikes, you don't have to go cross state or hundred miles to seek help. You should have people who are willing to support you close by. In this instance, this family, you know, was close by. Something a lot of us need to ask, are there people close by who can help us so we don't have to go to such extremes when calamity strikes? First, first Corinthians chapter 15 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrects good character. But Matthew 5 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God, the Father in heaven. You know, when we start talking about relationships and friendships, this is when parenting gets difficult. I know if you still have kids growing up, you may be going through this right now. Or maybe if your kids are grown, you can really think about when you struggled with this, you know, many years ago. You know, there's times when as you're parenting, you, you're always with this tricky uh, obligation of who am I supposed to allow my child to be around? You know, like these people look like a really bad influence on my kid. I don't want them hanging around them. And this is when it gets challenging because then parenting, you have to be able to sit back and answer the question, okay, is this person being a terrible influence on my child? Well, I don't want them to be around them. Okay, there's times when that's good parenting, obviously. But then you also have to ask yourself this question. Is my child in a position to where they are being a good influence to that friend who needs it? That's when parenting gets difficult. But not just with kids, 
What about in our lives right now? It was a very famous celebrity friendship, that uh, was a celebrity friendship, that happened between Christopher Reeve and Robin Williams. You know, many of you probably know those names. Robin Williams, you know, he um, sadly took his life a few years ago. Actor in Dead's Poet Society, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Goodwill Hunting, Night of the Museum, Aladdin, and probably didn't mention one of your more favorite movies, so don't take offense. You know, he took his life in 2014. And then you also got Christopher Reeve, who may have been the Superman many of you grew up with. He was a, he played Superman in the 70s and the 80s um, until, you know, he was riding his horse one day and uh, he fell off and broke his neck. He was actually paralyzed from his neck down. Um, and it was just a really difficult story because this guy who was supposed to be Superman, you know, went through this type of pain and it really affected a lot of people. He later passed away at only the age of 54. But there was an event that took place after this tragedy. I'm going to kind of read it to you. Uh, Robin Williams and Chris Reed, they met at Juilliard, um, you know, school, and they were close friends for the rest of their lives. Reeve recounts Williams' commitment in his autobiography. After a tragic accident that was going to leave him paralyzed, Williams came to comfort his friend. This is what he wrote. As the day of the operation drew closer, it became more and more painful and frightening to contemplate. I had only a 50-50 chance of surviving the surgery. Then, at an especially bleak moment, the door flew open and in hurried a squat fellow with a blue scrub and a yellow surgical gown and glasses, speaking in a Russian accent. He announced that he was my, he was my proctologist and he had to examine me immediately. My first reaction was that either I was on way too many drugs or that I was in fact had brain damage. But it ended up being Robin Williams. His old friend had helped him know that somehow he was going to be okay through this surgery. He said that he would do anything for me. And I thought, not only do I have Donna, his wife, and my kids, but I also have friends like Robin and someone else, who, a guy named Gregory, who truly care. Maybe it can be okay. I mean, life is going to be very different, and it's going to be an enormous challenge, but I can still laugh, and there's still some joy. In this humorous act of Williams, Robin Williams demonstrates the biblical truth of trust, honesty, and commitment. And Reeves is explaining to that through this. Church, take an audit of your relationships and ask yourself these questions. Am I a good friend? Do I sharpen someone else? Am I honest with someone else? Do I actually help make them better? Do they help make me better? But remember when we talked a few weeks ago about after we audit, there's things we need to cut out of our lives, out of our spending to make room for what God needs? Sadly, a lot of our relationships need to be put aside so we can make room for the ones God wants us to have. Job 17 says, If anyone denounces their friends for a reward, their eyes of their children will fail. Job 6, Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes and fears the Almighty. Church, how do we become better at relationships? We become better at relationships when we make God our number one priority. Very quickly, let's, be, let's get a little practical. You know, what about in our marriage? Or if you're dating, if you're dating our romantic relationships, Ecclesiastes 4, for the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You've heard that read at half the weddings you've ever been to. We read scriptures like that. Reminds us that if you're going to have a healthy marriage relationship, uh, you need God intertwined in that because two ropes or two threads twined together are not as strong as when three, uh, you know, are joined. It's much harder to rip apart. 
that means you need to start prioritizing not just each other, but God in your relationship. You know, there's several different reasons on where our relationships fail, whether you've experienced these personally or you know people who have, whether it be adultery, uh, financial stress, trust issues, abuse, undesirability, you know, et cetera, all these different reasons. And when you look at the numbers, they're, they're, they're crazy and they're sad. And again, I know many of you have dealt with these before, 50%, <coughs> excuse me, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. But did you know that whenever you attend church together regularly, that number drops from 50 to 25? The amount, your chance of that relationship failing gets cut in half. It still happens, sadly. But you're giving yourself that much more of an advantage. You know why? Because you're adding God into the fold. Go back a little bit deeper. Did you know what happens when you start to pray together church regularly as a, in a marriage? Your chance of surviving because you're adding God into that fold so much more powerful. You have a 1 in 1,500% chance. That's 0.006% chance of ending in divorce when you truly pray with each other. It can still happen. That's what happens when you add God to your thread, church. Mark 10, chapter 9, verse 10, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 9 says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Is God number one in your marriage, in your dating? Is he number one? Second thing we can do is we need to be a servant. How do we uh, be make sure we prioritize God in our relationships? Well, we learn to serve, not as much receive. You know what it says, iron, um, it, iron sharpens iron, what we read a few minutes ago. It takes two to sharpen. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, you must have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You read that verse? All times we focus there on verse 4. Let's read verse 5 again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You want to know one of the main reasons friendships, relationships, and marriages die? Because you're not on the same page. Your mindsets are different. One person does all the giving. One person does all the receiving. And eventually one's going to burn out. That's what happens. But yet, you know, the way we make God number one is we act like him and we give just as much as we receive. Mike, that has nothing to do with God. Yes, it does. Because look here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For my example, as I follow, excuse me, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. God has given us the way to live our lives. He's given us an example on how to love others in a relationship. We do that. By following his example, how do we do that? Well, number three, we mimic Jesus. We mimic Jesus. We do this not just by doing the physical things, but we mimic Jesus by mimicking his, his eternal, his internal motivation. Well, what was Jesus' motivation? It's very simple. Luke chapter 19 for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Church, everything Jesus did 
Everything he responded to, every relationship he had, every sermon he preached, every message he did, every person he, every time he communicated, every scripture that was written, every single thing he did went to the one mission to seek and save the lost. And we've been told to follow that example right now in the relationships you have, your marriages, your dating, your relationships, your friend, everybody you have a relationship with. Is that relationship grounded that Christ is number one in your life? Does that relationship help you to seek and minister to the lost or does it do nothing but help yourself? Church, is God your number one priority in life? Because if he is, that means he's also our number one priority in all of our relationships. Let's pray. Father, God, forgive us for being so bad at relationships. God, forgive us for not prioritizing you when we ought to. Lord, forgive us for focusing on ourselves and not others. God, forgive us for not focusing on you. God, help us today to be better at relationships. God, help, help us to include you in our marriages. Help us to include you in our friendships. Lord, help us to include you in every aspect of our lives. God, if there's someone listening today who, who really struggles with relationships, whether it's you know on a marriage level or a friendship level, God, let them see that you are the way to make that better. God, if there's also someone listening right now who's not given their life over to you, there's no wonder their relationships are also so damaging. Let them make a decision, Lord, to give their life over to you. God, I say this in your son's name. Amen. You know, church, I'm here in a time, I know obviously we're distant, but we're about to go into a time of invitation. A song's going to play. And I really want you, as you're singing and as you're meditating, think to yourself right now, are your relationships focused on God or are they only focused on you? Are you focused only on yourself or are you focused on Christ? Church, let's get better. Let's learn to trust. Let's learn to be committed. Let's learn to hold each other accountable. Let's make relationships the way God has envisioned them. But if you're also watching right now and you've not given your life over to Jesus, did you hear what I said in the prayer? There's a reason your relationships are failing. There's a reason that you cannot seem to connect on a deeper level. There's reasons that you're burning out every single person you get close to. It's because God has not been added to that fold. That's the thread you're missing. And you need Jesus in your life. Without him, there is no hope. Church, there's weeks like this where they're dark weeks. We go through um, natural issues. We go through, you know, um, sickness. And you really start making you think big picture about your own life and your own eternity and your own salvation. Church, right now, if you've not given your life over to Jesus, you have no hope. That thread will break. But you are so sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're ready to give your life over. I want you, obviously, there's no aisle to lock down. Send the church a message during the song. Give, my, give me a call this week. I'd love to talk to you about how Jesus can change everything. If you need anything, even drop a comment down below. Send us a message. Let's make today, let today make the, be the day you make a decision to change your eternity. Let's sing.